Well, church, it is Father's Day, and we are going to take some time this morning to talk a little bit about the legacy that we leave our children and what fathers in particular can do to build faith amongst their kids and kids that they encounter throughout life. Would you pray with me and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity and we pray that all of us would do something good with it. In your name, amen. So the last words that King David ever said to his son Solomon started with, I am about to go the way of all the earth. This is a statement that every one of us will have to wrestle with at some point. And it's a statement that every one of us is going to have to teach to the next generation. So it's a statement that helps us think about what it means to leave a legacy because it is a truth. One day, all of us will go the way of the earth. And what is it that we want to leave behind for the generations to come? Now, you remember that Johnny Cash once wrote a song called A Boy Named Sue. And when that boy named Sue grew up, he found himself in a bar fight with his own father who had left him behind when he was a little boy. And the father, who was trying to do his level best to defend himself, said, Son, this world is rough, and if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough, and I knew that I wasn't going to be there to help you along. So I gave you that name, and I said goodbye, and I knew that you'd have to get tough or die, and it's that name that helped to make you strong. Most parents, and especially fathers, want to raise their kids, and especially their sons, to be strong. And that's what David wanted for Solomon, not only because Solomon was David's son, but because God had already anointed him to be the next king of Israel. So what does one say on their deathbed to their child, who is not only their child, but also the future king? David says, be strong, be courageous. And he wasn't talking about the kind of strong that leads to defending yourself in, in a bar fight. He's telling his son that he needs to be prepared to do hard things. I think it's really important to note here that, that David by no means was a perfect person, and he left a whole lot to be desired when it came to parenting. He was not the world's best father. But when he speaks to his son here, He's coming from a place of wisdom and experience. To be strong and courageous isn't about lifting weights and, and building muscle. It's about doing the right thing as often as you possibly can towards as many people as you possibly can, even when nobody else seems to notice or care. Being strong is about living with integrity and admitting to and, and owning your mistakes and seeking to turn away from the temptations to sin. Being courageous can, can be those actions that require bravery, but can also be standing up for what's right, even when it's not popular. And who teaches us to do that? How do we get those kind of habits instilled in us? They come from those who go before us. So even in the midst of his mistakes, David is doing his best to be strong, 
to be courageous. And there's no one better to teach our sons and daughters how to do these things than their parents and especially their fathers. Remember, David is giving his son these final instructions about what it means to be a man. A year or two after I got married, my dad and I were having a conversation at my kitchen table one morning. And we were telling stories about my teenage years and we were laughing, mostly laughing. And, <laughs> and then my dad got kind of serious on me and he said, do you remember that time at Silver Mining? This is a restaurant where we lived. Um, when you told me that I ruined your whole life? Now, I was a teenager, so my parents ruined my life on a regular basis. And, and I've, done it, I've done it at least four times to my own kids. So, I mean, he wasn't all that special. But he said to me, he said, you know, that was one of the hardest days of my life. And, and to be honest, I, I really had not thought about that day a whole lot. But I do remember the outcome of that experience. We had all gone out to dinner, and it was my extended family, my immediate family, my extended family, and my college boyfriend. And everyone had gotten into this conversation about something. And at some point, my then boyfriend decided to very loudly, very vocally reprimand me in front of my parents and my extended family. I don't remember what he said or what we were talking about, but I remember exactly what my father said. And my father, for those of you who are not aware, he was a really tall Italian guy, often mistaken for somebody who would be in a Godfather movie. <laughs> and, um, and, and the craziest thing about it is he's one of the most gentle human beings that, that you would have ever had the opportunity to meet. But what he said was, son, you will never speak to my daughter like that again. And if you have two brain cells in that head of yours to rub together, you will never speak to any woman like that ever again. Well, no doubt, I turned 80 shades of crimson red. And my father was not done. He went on to say, son, you, you have two choices at this point. You can sit here for the rest of dinner with your mouth shut or you can get up and you can walk away. But if you get up and walk away, you best be prepared to keep on walking and not come back. Well, I was horrified. I was horrified. I could not believe that my father, who I loved and adored, was making such a scene in a restaurant in front of a guy that I really liked. Because somehow in my teenage brain, this was all my dad's fault. And I can't imagine it was a walk in the park for him either. Well, my dad may not have gotten through to that guy, but what my father did was he showed me how real men treat women, how real men step up even when it's hard, and how real men speak the truth in love to those around them. That boyfriend did not last much longer, not because dad ran him off, but because my dad taught me to expect better, not just by what he said that day, but the way that he treated my mom with love and respect his whole life long. Well, like David wanted for Solomon, my father wanted me to stand strong in the face of temptation and pressure. And one of the best ways for him to do that was not always with what he said, but with what he did. 
So David says, be strong, be courageous, keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimony, as it's written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. David had that firsthand experience of walking away from God, of ignoring commandments. David was an extraordinary sinner. He really was one of the best out there. But he also had the experience of repentance and forgiveness. And he knew, he knew that Solomon would not be able to be strong and be courageous if he was not obedient and in fellowship with God. Now this is just as valuable today as when David said it. We are living in a world that loves, loves, loves to define and label people. And with all the things that the world sticks on us, it can be really hard to root our identity in Jesus Christ. The further that you get away from the word, the easier it is to break your relationship with Jesus. And when that relationship breaks, it becomes really difficult to see your primary identity as a child of God, as one who is forgiven, loved, redeemed, and restored. When we walk in the ways of God, albeit imperfectly, because none of us gets this exactly right, we can see and be empowered by God to be strong and to be secure in his word. So here on his deathbed, David has a lifetime of experience of following God, disobeying God, denying God, and being in fellowship with God. And from those experiences, both good and bad, David urges his son to stay connected to God and to follow him so that Solomon will prosper in whatever he does, wherever he turns. This is not just a church issue that David is addressing here. This is a life issue. In all that Solomon does, leading the people, making wise decisions in his relationships with others, in work, and in his play, David wants his son to prosper. I think that's what most parents want for their kids. We want them to prosper. He didn't want Solomon to commit to one thing and then go off and do something else. And in the beginning, Solomon heeded his father's words. His kingdom grew, it flourished, and as his wealth expanded, Solomon became one of the most tragic figures in the Old Testament. And as a result, he was the last ruler of what is known as the United Kingdom of Israel. If kids are kids, and they're going to do their own thing anyway, why should any of us bother with the next generation? Because, and this is important to teach our children, God has a plan for them. That's what verse 4 is all about. The, then the Lord will establish his word that he spoke concerning me. If your heirs take heed to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all of their heart, with all of their soul, there shall not fail you a successor on the throne of Israel. God has a plan for the line of David. Solomon is part of that plan. God has a plan for our sons and daughters. And they need us. They need us. Every one of us adults, they need us to help them to grow and to discover what God's plan is for them. We cannot expect that our children will just learn faith by osmosis. 
We've got to get out there and we've got to walk through with them until the faith becomes real for them and they own it for themselves. There will come a point when we, all of us, will go the way of the earth and we will pass the spiritual baton. What kind of legacy of faith are we going to leave for the next generation? That's, that's not easy stuff. In fact, it's really hard. Because, see, David, David had the temptation of Bathsheba out there taking a bath on the roof for some reason to draw him away from God. But today, today, we have technology and sports and the beach and theme parks and, just be honest, laziness that keeps us away from the communities of faith that demonstrate for us what it looks like to have a living faith together in a relationship with a community, with one another. Growing up, we went to church every Sunday. My dad and Mr. Fred taught my Sunday school class from the time I was in sixth grade until I graduated high school. Mr. Gary, he was Aaron's dad, he led the youth group. I don't think any of those men ever saw it as a big deal to be in church because all the other dads in town were there too. But my friends, that's not the case anymore. And church, rather than lament what isn't happening, now more than ever, the young dads of our church need our support, they need our encouragement, they need our prayers. Because here and now in 2019, the decision to be part of a family of faith, to make that commitment to do life together, to be in worship with their kids, that is a strong and it is a courageous decision. And they need us, they need us to be praying for them every step of the way. And for the men who take it seriously, they are doing all that they can to raise up their sons and daughters in an obedient faith. One of the coolest things that happened this week during our elementary camp was that the, on the Friday, the kids each got to write a letter to somebody in the congregation, somebody that means something to them. And most of them understandably picked their prayer partner. Each one of the kids in the church has a prayer partner that is with them all year long. And, and I'm walking around the room and I'm looking at these letters knowing what I'm preaching on today. And I was so touched by the impact that so many adults in the life of this congregation are having on our kids. But there was one letter that, that struck me really hard. I don't, I don't want to tell you who wrote it or who it's going to, but when I first looked at it, I was really struck by the fact that, that this person that's going to get this letter has a whole life outside of the church that, that their prayer partner probably knows very, very little about. He has a, a job, a very important job. He has a family of his own and hobbies and interests and activities all outside of the church. But to this one child, to this one child, a child who is not even his own, he has made such an impact that as this child is writing this letter, I bet that when he gets it, he is going to be shocked, shocked at what he has done in the life of this one child and what kind of seeds of faith he has planted 
in the next generation. I share this story, this particular story with you today, because I know very well that today is Father's Day. And for some of us, that is a great thing. And for others of us, that is a very hard and, and painful thing. Because do not forget that despite all of these wonderful final words to his son, David was at best, at best, a pretty mediocre father. But the good news is that you don't have to be a biological parent to leave the next generation a strong and courageous legacy of faith. You just need to be strong and be courageous and be faithful enough to do it. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the men of this church who have made strong and courageous decisions, not just on Sunday mornings to be here with their kids and to invest in the next generation, but who every day get up and do the best that they can to walk in communion with you, to follow the ways of life that you have set out before them, who do it in quiet and wonderful and winsome ways, but who do it intentionally and with purpose so that the next generation has a faith that is strong and secure. In your name we pray. Amen.